Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to The Friday Show. It's a show that's so thoroughly bored with a Spiegel and its supposed revelations that when talking about it now, we can barely finish our... On today's pod, we're wetting our lips and biting our nails for the visit of Liverpool, a title decided in all but name against the new enemy. It simply doesn't get any bigger than this. So we're not wasting any time with silly intros. Today I'm joined by Howard and Ali. And for some reason, Ali, I wrote Howard and Chris. <laughs> I think it was a leftover from Wednesdays, I think. <laughs> so I'm joined by Howard, Ali slash Chris. <laughs> uh, you've got the one who doesn't know about how to referee. <laughs> well, that could be either of you. Uh, don't tell him myself. <laughs> how are you, Ali? You, you well? I'm okay, thanks, mate. I'm uh, I'm enjoying the some beautiful blue skies and sunshine in Manchester today. Is it chilly? It is absolutely bloody freezing. But yeah. I'm looking out the window. I'm looking out the window and pretending it's a beautiful warm spring day out there, and and just uh, uh, and that I won't need to put on the the uh, the heating for about another three years. Anyway, yeah. uh, well, yeah. let's not get into that. Can't, can't afford to. Yeah, I've got, yeah. got no choice in the matter. Uh, Howard, are you well? And are you chilly too? Yes, because I'm not putting the heating on now. Yeah, too, right? So, I was tempted when it started snowing last week, but yeah, I'm fine. Just two jumpers on, that's all you need, so. Well, the most pertinent question, (laughs) yes, the most pertinent question for yourself in particular, Howard, is how are you feeling about Sunday? Uh, Are you still still faux zen? (laughs) uh, No, yesterday, definitely, Wednesday, definitely. Right. Uh, I did pop onto a Liverpool podcast which didn't help because I oh, didn't yeah. talk about it thank you for uh, that yeah. but uh, I think it helps that tomorrow I've got loads of stuff on uh, we're going to talk Everton United which I think will be a lovely distraction I'm sure yeah. we'll come to that uh, Grand Nationals on into it if that means yes I so, forgot all about a day that. of football and <clears> I'm going to cook a bit and basically on Sunday morning I'll feel absolutely bloody terrible so yeah that's the moment so let's see how much I can drink between 12 midday and 4 p.m on Sunday to uh to help calm me down so look it's not an absolute oh we're gonna get to this it's not an absolute league on the line Mm. I think I'd have crumbled about a week ago if it was an absolute kind of is but yeah we will get to that no I mean it it could be United 11 12 (laughs) when I couldn't even drink a pint on the day, I don't think. I was so nervous. So, mm. it, not quite on that level, but obviously it's huge, yeah. Ali, are you kind of in a nice, calm, meditative state beforehand or, or have a nerves kicking in? <laughs> calm would not be the word I would choose. No, but what, what I, I, uh, when we had this chat last time I was on this pod a couple of weeks ago, uh, I said I am trying really hard to remember to enjoy it. And that's what I keep telling myself, that this is where we want to be. These are the matches we want to play. These are the situations we want to be in. Mm. Uh, we could be where United fans are right now. <laughs> and we ain't. And I'm much happier where we are. So, yeah, um, I'm remembering to look forward to enjoying not only the game on Sunday, but the, the two games coming after that as well. Um, and I'm just about managing to succeed in that. I think I'm, I'm kind of quite enjoying the anticipation and uh, and not letting the nerves become full-on anxiety attacks just yet. Yeah, um, I think I'm very much in the same kind of space, um, but the nerves on Sunday are just going to be horrendous. And, and the fact it's 4.30 kickoff, that's a long wait, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. Um, but before the kickoff, well, well, certainly an hour before kickoff, will be the announcement of the lineups. Um, so, what better place to start than that? Um, Howard, who's in, who's out from Tuesday's side, do you think? <laughs> Like I can call this one. Tell uh, me, tell me what Pep's going to do. <laughs> this is the lineup. <laughs> Take this as uh, absolute, yeah, gospel. Yeah, ninety-three twenty pod in the know. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag not got a lineup right. <laughs> Hashtag no idea. Um, I think I would hope eight or nine are pretty obvious. Mm. So Edison, obviously. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Pre uh, pre press conference. I hope there's no new news on injuries or anything like that. Mm. Walker Stones, Laporte, Cancelo. Highly unlikely he's playing mind games with uh, Diaz. So I don't think he'd come in anyway. Yeah. With no football behind him, Rodri in front of them, and 
Surely Phil Foden has to start. Surely Kevin De Bruyne has to start. And surely Bernardo Silva has to start. Uh, and then... Raheem? To, Is he... Oh, well, that's it. Then... Then it gets very tricky indeed. Yeah. So what's Pep? What what is Pep thinking? Does he need? I mean, I you know, if you think about it tactically, we don't know what team Liverpool got similar issue. They've got five players to fit into three slots up front. They've got depth like they've not had before. Yeah. And you don't actually know what they're gonna team they're gonna pick as well. Though their back six probably picks itself as well. <sighs> what Pep? What? What's he going to do? Try and restrict the fullbacks? Does he want wide players who are going to put the shift in going backwards? That am I being harsh on Mares for saying he might not track back as men as much as the others? Because mm. if you ignore that, Mares should be in. Now, if he's not sad anymore with uh, after you know not qualifying for the World Cup, and if, if he's not sad anymore, no, he, I mean, he truly was. <laughs> he truly was. Yeah, just a word did make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's a case for. Every, I mean, Jesus played in the two-two downfield. Mm. Highly unlikely he would now, and I think he suits the away game more. Though I can't quite put into words why I think that's the case. He'd be the left field choice, but Sterling I expect to start. But maybe Grealish would for control for keeping the ball. So, yes. oh, how do you pick that? I'm going to go Mares Sterling, but maybe it's Sterling Grealish Foden. Yeah, so in midfield, you'd have KDB and you'd have Bernardo in there. Um, like, yeah. So I think Gundo, sure, I mean, Gundo surely misses out there. Start, and surely Phil Foden has to start. So, so I mean, but the one who misses out there for me is Gundo. Well, again, <laughs> we can go for hours here. He gives you the control that Pep mm. might want in the midfield. So, yeah. And to be honest, if you ask me what team do I want to see, I'm not even sure of that myself. I mean, such I'm fine lines here, tactically, in, you know, about c- controlling the game and the tempo. It's very hard to work this one out, to well, be honest. I want to get onto the kind of tactical side in a moment, but first, Ali, do you yeah. have any kind of disagreements there with what Howard said? Do you, do you think it's kind of, um, well, for starters, would I, you start with Gundogan? Uh, okay, well, first of all, on the basis that Howard said he hasn't got a clue, then no, I don't disagree. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> I've been staring at it for two days, looking, <laughs> penciling different lineups in. So. To uh, to uh, engage with this question, if I may, I would like to go back to Tuesday night and also to the uh, the review pod that you guys did on Wednesday morning because uh, I did listen in as I usually do, okay. and I did hear my name being taken in vain, and I did hear the sanctity of the WhatsApp group chat. Being, uh, being violated shamelessly when you uh, you revealed that I'd been oh, less yes. than happy yes. with the, uh, the the lineup that was announced on Tuesday night. Now, to explain that, and it kind of answers the question about Sunday as well, um, the last time I was on this pod and we were looking ahead to these run of four games, you asked me what I wanted to see in, in the starting 11. You know, same question we're doing now. And I said, please, Pep, whatever else, no jiggery-pokery. And what I actually said to the uh, the 9320 contributors WhatsApp closed chat on uh, Tuesday evening um, was, oh, God, it's jiggery-pokery. Um, and what I meant by that is the Pep had picked a team that included Rodri in his usual spot and then Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo and... Uh, Gundogan and uh, whoever else we'd got there, but basically the four of them all to get into three spaces in the midfield. Now, the last time we picked those four all at the same time was the game in February against Tottenham, which didn't exactly go well. Mm. Now, what we saw... Okay, another thing that was said uh, by Isan on Wednesday morning is that Pep Guardiola has earned the right to pick whatever team he likes. And I have to say, before I say anything else, I could not agree more. Um, Pep Guardiola knows an awful lot more about football than I do. He knows an awful lot more about uh, his group of players than I do. And he knows an awful lot better how to pick an 11 to win a game in the Champions League quarterfinal uh, than some doofus with a blue and white scarf and a BT Sports subscription, which is what. <laughs> I am. So no no argument. Pep, you can choose if Pep wants to pick um Brandon the Kitman to play centre forward because he thinks that gives us the best chance of, of beating Atleti, then I'm absolutely with him. Pep, you, you pick your team as you see fit. Um but if we always go with that 
line, then it doesn't give us a huge amount to talk about. So, um, so you know, the doofus in a blue and a white scarf will have his say. Um, it seems to me that when you've got four midfielders playing in enough spaces for three players, either uh, you have Bernardo and KDB taking turns to play the false nine, which doesn't really suit either of them, and you don't get the best out of either of them. Um, for reasons that I cannot begin to fathom and I've never been able to understand, but I will uh, I will nail my colours to, to the mast. I think it is true that Kevin De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan are not the same player when the other one is on the pitch. I really don't know why, mm. but they never play as well when they're both there as one does when the other isn't. Um, and I, I cannot explain that. I cannot rationalise that. I know people consider it to be kind of a voodoo superstition that shouldn't be true, and I completely agree it is a voodoo superstition that shouldn't be true, but I maintain it is true. Um, so what we had in the first, uh, well, particularly the first half, but the first 60 minutes, is a team that didn't really look like they fully knew where each other were. A lot of the time uh, we played passes to where the player was a second earlier, and so, you know, balls were getting played behind um, in ways that aren't really very Manchester City. Um, I know uh, on the review pod, they, they kind of, the three or four of you are, who were on kind of all agreed that the first half was okay, and you know, obviously the result was fine in the end. I'm quite happy with it. Um, but I was really scared in that first half. The amount of times we gave the ball away in really dangerous position, where if Griezmann and Jao Felix had been as on the ball as Harry Kane and Human Son had been for Tottenham back in February, we could easily have lost a, a sucker punch goal in the first half or even the second half of, of the game on Tuesday night. You know, we didn't. It all worked out fine in, in the end. Um, we're all happy now. It's all fine. Uh, but I didn't like the team that started on Tuesday night. Uh, and I really hope that the same thing doesn't happen again on Sunday. So that was all by way of preamble and to, to explain my uh, swearing at the group chat on Tuesday night. Um, the, the team that I very much hope will start on uh, on Sunday is whatever back four we can put out. Um, I really, you know, I will, <laughs> I will trust Pep with that as anything else. Um, and then I would like to see uh, Bernardo and KDB and Rodri, obviously, playing behind a front three of uh, Foden in the middle and then presumably Sterling and Mares either side of him. Although I'm absolutely happy with any of the various other combinations of Jesus and Grealish and whoever else might come in there. Um, but I want three midfielders and I want three forward players. Um, and I'm sorry, OK, Gundogan, um, if you play, then Bernardo doesn't. If Bernardo plays, then you don't. Uh, that's how I see it. And if we end up with all four of those midfielders starting, uh, I will have the same kind of reservations that I will probably be swearing at the group chat on Sunday, <laughs> just as I did on Tuesday night. Well, I should add that you did also put it up on Twitter. <laughs> it wasn't just... Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> that, that kind of let the cat out of the back. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. But no, I, was probably, I, I was probably a bit more sweary on what's happened. Wasn't yes. Twitter, though. <laughs> well, I'm of the opinion that it's either going to be the midfield that you really don't want to see, or um, it'll be the, the midfield that you do, as in the three of Bernardo, KDB and Rodri, because... There is no way on God's earth that Bernardo Silva doesn't start on Sunday. Um, yeah. I've kind of done previews coming out of my arse this week, uh, looking back at all the previous fixtures. For me, Bernardo Silva is the reason why we've turned the tide against Liverpool. Um, to simplify it, I guess it's a case of playing two, not that he plays a holding role as such, but his energy is such that he is an auxiliary holding midfielder alongside Rodri, and that allows cover for the fullbacks, which allows for tethering of Robertson and Alexander-Arnold. Um, there, together, they've had 21 assists this season, those two, which is, I have to say, that is staggering for, for you know, provisional fullbacks. Um, but Robertson's only had two assists against City, and Alexander-Arnold has neither scored nor assisted against City. And that is key for me. It's almost yeah. like, and I really am oversimplifying here, but it is almost like Pep was so fearful of Salah, Firmino, Mane, and just thought, I can't do anything about those three. But what I can do 
is nullify their their wing backs, which are so important to them. And that's yeah. what we've done. Would you go along with that, Howard? Because yeah. clearly, I mean, City lost four of the first six games against Liverpool during Pep's tenure. Since then, we've lost one in the last eight. So clearly, he saw something, he obsessed over something, he's corrected something. Would you say it is that, that basically now, as much as we can, and I'm not jinxing anything ahead of Sunday, we nullify Robertson and Alexander-Arnold? Yeah, but seven of those eight did count, Steve, so... Oh, no, six? Six? <laughs> oh, Ali, Ali, if you're not aware of this, this is amazing. Nine. Oh, was it? Yeah. Sorry, yes, you're right. Nine of those eight didn't count. I did, I did a, <laughs> to, to explain, I did a, a betting preview this week, and I simply said, just in, within the text, I simply said, City have lost only one of the last eight against Liverpool, and a Liverpool fan got in touch, and in all seriousness, he was being 100% serious, he said two of them don't count and I shouldn't have included them. In the, in the statistical data, uh, because one of those games, Liverpool were missing their two centre-backs, and one, they just won the league, so they were still in high spirits. Hungover, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like I was supposed to admit them from a betting preview, just talking about data, data for God's sake. I mean, uh, the, the one tiny point in there is that all the games have been so, so very different. Mm, yeah, actually yeah. make calling this one on Sunday impossible, and if anyone... Thinks they know how Sunday's game will go, then I'm sorry, I don't take them seriously because it is one of those games that the fullbacks are key. Nullifying their fullbacks is key, yeah. but there are so many other little battles as well. Who knows? It might be a sub that makes a difference, it might be a mistake or a moment of genius. Yeah, but we all know that if you pin back their fullbacks, their midfield is less functional. You know, if Thiago plays, perhaps Fabinho got a bit more about him than the functional midfield they've had of previous Yes, years. that's true. Yeah. Uh, but still, as you've just said, 21 assists, just so key to that Pepper will be thinking about those uh, fullbacks, which is why I wonder if that will influence the wide players we pick as well. I don't know. Uh, as I say, all those games were different. There's like all different circumstances, but the nil-nil that Mahrez missed a penalty in, I nothing really happened in that game, did it, until that penalty. It was a very cautious game. Mm. Pep did part of the bus, of course. He would never do that, but he changed something. It's key. If you're trying to work out, and I'm trying to think about this for a long, all morning, why, what Pep's done to change, turn things around. Well, on the surface he shouldn't have to do that much because we put out a team that's as good as Liverpool's all the time. But it did feel like at Anfield, certainly there was an inferiority complex or mm. an issue, a mental issue there. Factor. Mentality. Uh, yeah. But I think it's, I think the only thing I could come up with was tempo. So Liverpool want the game to play out a certain way, tempo wise. They want it to be chaotic in a way. Pep won't want that. I my So the, the suggestion I make is that Pep worked out how to work, you know, how to command the tempo of these games so that Liverpool didn't get what they wanted. To like to to work out not how to mess up that first twenty minutes, to not let Liverpool dictate how the game will play out, and to to play the game on his terms with his squad. And we've got the players who just eventually believe, you know that they can carry out his instructions. Mm. So it's very hard because there were, yes, there was a game in an empty Anfield where we scored four, where they, where Alisson had a nightmare because our pressing worked on him. But when we lost 4-3, Edison was, you know, made a similar mistake and they were flagging by the end when it was four. When, when that was 4-3 and there's the, the Mane red card and there's, there's so many different types of games that have played out different ways. But I think Pep's just worked out a bit better how to dictate the tempo of a match and that will be key on Sunday, I think. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there the Anfield game, the nil-nil. I think that's key if looking at the games as a whole. Um, Ali, do you think there used to be a fear factor? Do you think that City had a psychological, psychological issue with Liverpool? And do you think that doesn't exist anymore? Uh I'm not sure that Pep would agree that we've ever had a psychological issue. I think he would tell us that he went into every single game. I don't know if you tell us that we've played however many 
Can you add them up? How many games have we played against Liverpool in the Pepe? I do know that Klopp and Guardiola's record against each other in the Premier League is, is even. It's at their level. That, um, that's I what I thought. I can't remember how many. I think Pep would tell you that uh, Liverpool are the best team, uh, the best other team, at least in the uh, in Premier oh, yeah. League and, yeah. and in European football. And every game he goes in, um, he's confident of winning, but entirely respectful of just how good Liverpool are. Uh, and I think any... I mean, I, I agree with what, she, with what Howard said, that anyone attempting to see a pattern in these games is probably kidding themselves because there is so little between the quality and performance of the sides that actually anything can happen. Um, if, if either side is, you know, 5% off their absolute optimum uh, peak performance, then they will probably lose. And you cannot go into a match like this guaranteeing you'll be at 100% optimum performance. No one can. Uh, so... I I think Manchester City are a better football team at the moment than Liverpool are. I think we uh, have got the tools and the ability to control this game when we have won those games against Liverpool. And yeah, like I say, I wouldn't pay too much attention to the fact that you know our, our losses and draws came early and our, our victories and draws came later. I, I think uh, that gives us a false impression. But I think where we are at the moment, we are just a slightly better team, and we have got the ability to control the not only the tempo, uh, but the possession of the match and, and the flow of the game. Uh, and I think what uh, Pep will try and do, what we will try and do on Sunday, is basically throttle all the energy out of the game, play uh, as much control possession as we possibly can, try and, as you say, keep the you know, keep the ball away from their full-backs at all times. Um, and we have done this, not only against Liverpool, but we have done this against some of the best teams in the world over yeah. over many years. And I don't see any reason why we can't do it again. Um, you know, missing Diaz is, is bad, but we have got a great uh, you know, uh, Stones and Laporte are a fantastic centre back combination. Um, and we have got phenomenal footballers who are more than capable of going out and, and beating Liverpool. And that's just what I keep telling myself. Uh, but it will be about <laughs> who that it will be about who can um, just come out and play their absolute uh, best game exactly as instructed by the manager. Um, and I think if, if both teams do that, then City will still edge it. Yeah, I, I think, sorry, sorry, but I think the two centre-backs need to be nigh on perfect. I think Bernardo needs to play like he has done many times before in this game. Um, and then beyond that, and Rodri, of course, they're, they're the kind of four players where you think if you put in a nine out of 10, we're going to win on Sunday. Um, and then beyond then, you've got KDB, of course. He's been back in form recently. It's hugely encouraging that that's the case um, because you always need that big player as we've seen with Phil Foden in the past couple of fixtures, to, to make that difference. Um, I think, can I, can I just come in? One, yeah, one other point I would make that I, I think there's a key edge that we've got, which is that Liverpool need to win this game a bit more than we well, do. Well, yeah, I was going to ask about that. It, it's Because we saw last season in the 1-1 where Liverpool just absolutely came out of the blocks. He threw the kitchen sink out of us from the opening minute. And it was all about trying to just get that control back, get that tempo, as you've both mentioned. And then we did, and so it ended 1-1. I mean, Howard, with them needing to win Liverpool, will we see a difference in strategy from the both from both the teams? Will we see Liverpool more aggressive, more kind of, you know, uh, attacking, for want of a better word? And I'm not suggesting for a second that City are going to play for a draw on Sunday, but when it gets to the 70th minute, and if it is 1-1 or 0-0, Will that become a big factor then? I'm I'm not convinced to be honest, Ali. <laughs> uh, that they have that I don't know. I don't know ultimately what's going in Klopp's head, but I'm not. If this was one all, say with seven, fifteen minutes to go, mm. I suspect both managers might take. Do you that. think to have it in your own hands with seven games to go? I mean, sorry to to you know with all the previews I've done. Liverpool in the last two seasons have, have strung together seven plus wins on six occasions. I mean, it's routine for them, just like it's routine for us. So basically, whoever has their noses in front after the Sunday, they've got it 
you know, they're more than capable of winning to the rest of the end of the it season. Depends on the feel of the game at seventy five minutes. If Liverpool are totally on top, then Klopp might think, right, this is our chance to take it. Mm. They're hanging on. They're like, no, we take it. We're a point behind still. We better goal difference. Then we take our chances at City drop points somewhere. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. it depends on the feel of the game, but it's not. The problem is, of course, it's so easy for us to sit here and say, well, you should do this, but God, you're, you're only, it's a huge gamble if you take, if you, if it's, if Liverpool are drawing and you know that if you lose, it's pretty much over. Yes. But if you draw, it just carries on and we, we go on and City have dropped points recently. You just don't know how it will go. So it's, it's hard to say. I, it also, I wonder how the game starts as well. No manager. A big game is obviously you don't want to concede the first goal, but this becomes even bigger. So I mean, City scored first twenty three times, got on to win them all. No, neither Pep nor yeah, Klopp want to concede that first goal. And I wonder if it, this is going to be a great. I, I can't see it being a boring game, but I wonder if the early bits are quite cagey. I'll probably be proven completely wrong within two minutes of the game on Sunday. <laughs> but I wonder if both teams will try and. F- just find their feet into the game before it explodes. So mm. there's so many subplots there. Uh, I'm not being pessimistic, but you know, I would take a draw if I was offered one now because it does put City keeps them on top. But that goal difference could be a factor. You see, mm. it's just a share. I, I still still angers me that we messed up when we equalised against Spurs because. You know what? How much better does a two-point lead sound than a one-point lead at this stage? I, I don't. I obviously Pep's not going to go. Or if it's if the drawing were ten minutes ago, Pep's not going to gamble on winning the game because he doesn't need no, to. Not a chance. No. I mean, but you, you I'm not. Both... I'm not convinced. Pep. I'm not saying he won't. But I'm not convinced Klopp would either. Well, I mean, you've both mentioned about how City kind of, you know, look to kind of set the, the narrative and, and control the game, and they've done so against Liverpool in the past. But it's worth mentioning that a lot of Liverpool's strategy is based on City's approach, by which what I mean is, as we saw last year in the, in the 1-1, they just flew out the blocks, as I mentioned. And they did so, I think, to to not allow us to settle into a pattern and, and our rhythm. Um, so they've got one eye on us, of course, and we've got one eye on them. And so that's what I believe we'll see again on Sunday. I thoroughly expect the first 15 minutes for Liverpool to be on top and for them to create some chances and for, you know, for people just, you know, the casual onlookers to think, oh, wow, Liverpool have, you know, they're going to win this game. They're, they're, but that's how it will play out. And then City will find a rhythm and find that kind of, and, and then hopefully I, I think the pendulum will swing our way as we've seen many times. I should say as well, I didn't want to bring this up, but I will bring this up and I apologize. And I know it's data. So if you, if you're not really, you know, if you want to throw this out the window, by all means do. But according to the BBC website, data experts predict that if City win, our chances of winning the league title is 86% to Liverpool's 14. If Liverpool win, they get a 68% chance of winning the league title. It's This is a title decider in all but name. I know that, things can Is happen. that a supercomputer that's decided? <laughs> I, I think it, it was one of those many animals that they get to predict the World Cup. <laughs> an, an octopus. An octopus, that was it. Yeah, yeah. But no, that just shows the importance of Sunday. And yeah. Um, Okay, well, actually, bring us on to that, that question then and how you feel about that, Ali. Do you think that whoever wins on Sunday will go on to be league champions? I think those uh, numbers you've quoted sound about right to me. Um, yeah. If, if City win, uh, then, yeah, seven times out of eight, we will go on and we will go on and win it. If Liverpool win, then three times, what, what three, yeah, two, two times out of three, they will go on and win. Um I think the more the, the, the interesting question is what happens if it's a draw? Um, and that yeah. brings back to the, the last little bit of conversation we were having. Um, I don't think either manager would be happy with a draw on Sunday. I think both would be devastated to not win the game. Um, but if it gets to 90 minutes in the final whistle uh, and it is a draw, then we are left in a significantly better position than Liverpool are, um, and I think that's what me- I, I think that what makes it more likely that there will be a result on Sunday. I don't think it will end as a draw, um, precisely because Liverpool can't afford for it to end as a draw. I think uh, so. If they end up having to take risks, 
uh, in the end of the game to to try and win it rather than draw it, then that gives us a better chance of winning the game. Um, but always with these games, I end up whatever predictions I make are end up completely confounded by events. And uh, I think the last time uh, the the two two that we predicted. Um, Actually, no, now, now I recall. I think I predicted an uh, absolute chaos ball in that, and I thought it would end 3 2 or something. And I turned out to be more or less right. Um, I was going to say this time I'm predicting predicting quite a, a really tight and cagey game, um, but it probably just will end up complete chaos ball again because games between these sides usually do. And uh, as soon as the referee blows the whistle at the start of the game, then uh, a lot of players' heads lie. You know, it doesn't matter what the manager told them. It, it's a bit of a derby type situation where players just cannot contain their adrenaline and, and their energy. So who knows what will happen? I, I would say about Liverpool, I think the more rounded team was a couple of years ago that the, the shtick was just try and blow teams away in the first half an hour. It just doesn't apply as much now. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely yeah. true. And, yeah. and more options off the bench, which, of course, City themselves have. So who knows? It might be changes in the second half that decides this game. So yeah. I look back at that match point, the two old City were the better team. Yeah. But I think, I, I think a the, big the part big of difference... that was James Milner at right back was absolutely oh, terrorised. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, really I mean, I was told in the pub on Wednesday that uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold has never been injured. So... Well, okay. uh, it was a ruse. <laughs> a guy with some contact. <laughs> Don't take that as a fact. <laughs> Pub talk over, yeah. over a packet of crisps. Uh, he was never injured. Uh, I don't think anyone's <laughs> surprised that he's, he's back in time for this match either way. So it's very different. But yeah, City pinned Liverpool back in that first half with little reward and didn't get reward over the 90 minutes, really. Uh, but... <sighs> Mate, yeah, a lot's happened since then. <laughs> it's, it's hard to compare something. Yeah. Even I, I think ago. the big difference, the big difference in the Liverpool team this year is I think their game management has got really good. There's games where they're not playing particularly well, yes, yeah, and that they're not looking particularly in control of, of events, and yet they're grinding results out again and again and again. And that's been, you know, I don't know how many consecutive wins they're on at the moment, uh, but that's been the story of it. They haven't been blowing teams away the way we sometimes do. Um, it's been very much kind of tactical masterclasses again and again and again, just like where are they finding that winning goal from? Um, now, they can do that against uh, you know, 19 of the teams in the league because 19 of the teams in the league aren't as good as they are. Um, whether they can do that against City is another question altogether because I think we, just, we are the only team in the league that's got better footballers than they have. Ali, I'm, I'm going into pedant mode again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can tell me there's not 20 teams in the league, aren't you? Now? I'm going to tell you, you can only do it against 18 teams. Oh, yes. oh yeah, 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 okay, uh, thank you. I know you're going to WhatsApp Steve after this going, don't invite <laughs> Arsenal onto this podcast again. <laughs> no, I'm always a, a big fan of the pedants. And, and it's my tribe. It's fine. <laughs> well, maybe Liverpool will defeat themselves, so that would be great. So I think the cat amongst <laughs> yeah. the, pig, the pigeons is, for me, the schedule. So right. if we were just looking at, if a team wins, if we just have league games to worry about, I'd say whoever wins the game wins the league. Mm. But good God, even once you've got over Sunday, they've then got a Champions League and then an FA Cup semi-final. They've got United <laughs> everything to play. And then probably perhaps, you know, at least one of the two. Liverpool definitely going to have two semi-finals Champions League, hopefully not against Villarreal. And it's just like, can you really predict how well that we're all going to win every single league game? You just can't do I, that. It's, so. An important consideration is, I mean, I hope to God that Ruben Diaz is on his way back, and I believe that he is. Mm. Um, and so him aside, neither team has, has any kind of you know, major injuries right now. I mean, at the state of the season, that's extremely rare for two teams to be chasing for the title um, and neither are particularly weakened obviously Diaz aside who's hopefully coming back soon so they might have the squads to be able to deal with it and I say they as in City and Liverpool um, but yeah of course that's a factor um, and it's an unknown as well because we just don't know um, Liverpool against Villarreal is very different to Liverpool against Bayern over two legs uh, just one thing I want to ask you before I get to kind of score predictions I've seen a lot from City fans, understandably so, and I'm, you know, all for this. But I see a lot from City fans pointing out how many titles we've won in comparison to Liverpool, how many cups we've won in compared to Paris and Liverpool, and basically saying that we are the superior of the two, and it isn't an, a neck for neck, you know, rivalry. Yet 
in the last three seasons plus this season, they're separated by one point. One point mm-hmm. over four seasons, or you know, nigh on four seasons. So my question, I'll start with you, Ali, but I want both of you to answer this. Would you put them on a level footing, Liverpool and Manchester City, in, in this era, I mean, over the last kind of four or five years? Uh, almost. I think uh, the first thing to say is that these are two of the best football teams that have ever played in Premier League. Yeah. Probably two of the best football teams that have ever played football. Um, it, the, when the you know, historians of the game look back on this era, uh, they will recall two absolutely outstanding football sides. Uh, now, I do think that Pep Guardiola is a very slightly better manager than uh, Jurgen Klopp, and I do think this Manchester City team is a very slightly better team than the Liverpool team. Um, but there's millimeters in it, whatever whatever measurement you want to use. Um, I think I said, you know, I've said before that I think if these two teams play each other twenty times, um, City win seven. Liverpool win six and the other, however many are left, Howard, I think probably seven. <laughs> the other seven are drawers. I'm saying nothing. Uh, that, yeah, that's how close I think it is. Um, I, I think City have got the, uh, the edge in, in quality and football ingenious and managerial genius. I think Liverpool have maybe got a slight edge in attitude and kind of will to win. Mm. Um, they, I think Liverpool's success has been much more based upon uh, grinding out results where it looked they weren't going to get them and, and just kind of you know sheer determination, will to win and competitiveness uh, has given them an edge. And that's a fair play. That's absolutely part of football. And that's every bit as much football as, as tactics and, and technical brilliance or whatever else. Um, so, yeah, in, in short answer to your question, I think we have got a very slight edge on them, but there's very little between it. And they are two absolutely outstanding football teams. How have anything to add to that? Only to be a pedant again and go to the dictionary. And it's the definition of a rivalry. We're competing for trophies. Yeah. So, uh, all of them, the big ones, uh, the small ones maybe as well, the smaller ones, it's the absolute definition of a rivalry. I couldn't care less about whether it's the biggest rivalry or United-Liverpool's bigger or Leeds against United. It's honestly couldn't care less. It is one of the biggest, as Ali said, two of the best, probably perhaps two of the greatest teams in top-flight football history. Mm going against each other with two of the top managers. And if you're a Chelsea fan, United fan or whatever, you are absolutely counting down the days that one or both of these managers just... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But so, if you want to connect it to true rivalry, would, any, would either clubs... I, I can't remember where I read this. Would either clubs sell a player in contracts? Obviously, when they run a contract down, you've got no choice. Would any of this... Any, Either of the two teams sell a player to the other team. And Not a chance. No, they wouldn't. It's like us selling, you know, <laughs> I don't know. We would DST United, it wouldn't happen. And he wouldn't want to go there, obviously. So, can, can I put a that's question? That's a, a nice little sideway to look at it. <laughs> uh, maybe they just hate each other, but, you know, it, it, all, it ticks all the boxes of a rivalry. So, yeah. Can, yeah. can I put a question to you guys? Would you. Uh, yes or no, would you like to see uh, Liverpool against Manchester City Champions League final? <laughs> oh, it's impossible to answer that yes or no, because it's... Oh, you see, part of me would absolutely love that, but most of me would rather kind of... I'd set fire to my hand. <laughs> yeah, so, I'll, that's about I'll take Villarreal, please, in the final. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I see. I, I, I kind of agree. Uh, your, your feeling is exactly the same as mine. It's an, it's an emotional confusion. Um, if you ask me right now, would I like Liverpool to get knocked out before we have to play them in the Champions League? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I want them to. Yeah. I want to lose yeah. every game they play, and I do not want to play them in the Champions League final. If you ask me, do I think this era deserves a Manchester City against yeah. final, like showpiece final, ideally Champions League? Then yes, I think this era does, and I think it would kind of be a bit of a, a, a anticlimax, wrong word, but kind of there, there would be. 
there would be a missing chapter if this era were to end well, and that final had never happened. See, yeah. seems like Bayern Munich are doing the best to make it happen, so I, I agree with you. <laughs> One thing I don't understand is both City fans and Liverpool fans play down the rivalry. I mean, we all do it. We, we all do it, without exception. Um, and yeah, just think how much it annoys Chelsea and United fans and Arsenal fans and Tottenham <laughs> fans. I mean, they we're playing it right into their hands. You know, we should be talking it up because it just annoys the majority of rival fans. So, yeah, that's something I've, I don't really understand. And, and also, a rivalry is something to be... I don't know. It's what life's about, isn't it? My God, you know? Imagine football without any rivalry or tribalism yep. or, or, you know, hatred. Um, you know, it all feeds into football. And so that kind of feeds into my answer as well as regards to the Champions League final, you know, where I kind of do want it because that's what we got into football for, for events like that where, you know, two weeks beforehand, I'd be thinking about it non-stop, but I don't know if I could cope. Um, <laughs> let's just get to the score prediction before we move on to Everton United. Um, Ali, what, what are you anticipating? I'll go with the obvious prediction of a 2-1 to City. Right, okay. I'm going to go with 1-1. Um, Howard? I'm going to go 2 all because, yeah, a draw that just keeps everything up in the air. So. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, no, well, I'd be happy with any one of those three. Um, well, there's one I'd be more happy with. <laughs> yes. God, you well, are a pedant today, aren't you? Mate? No, no. I've, just, <laughs> I've had five coffees already today, I see. Right. <laughs> Ultra annoying mode, even more than usual. <laughs> What's all this track record like, though? <laughs> not bad. I'm absolutely not bad. useless. No, I think you, you've done all right, Ali, with, with the predictions. Not bad at all. I, I basically I'm wrong ninety percent of the time, but when I'm right, I'm very right. So let's just <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's get to Everton United. Um, can either of you see Everton picking themselves up and troubling United at Goodson this weekend? I'll start with you, Howard. Well, they're a bit better at home, aren't they? So yeah, uh, possibly. I can't wait for this game. Why? So, absolutely cannot wait. For, I'm going to get huge joy out of this one way or the other. <laughs> right, right. Because I couldn't believe you lot saying you didn't want Everton to go down the other week on the Friday show. I mean, I can't wait for them to go down. <laughs> okay. I think it's based on me hating every other football club in the world. So, And I'm, st- I'm still angry at how they cheated their way out of relegation against the Wimbledon about 25 years. I can hold a grudge for 30 years. Wow. So. Okay. And I, yeah. And I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Uh, I should be supporting Everton. I think it is the bitterness in me that likes to see another big club fail. Fail. Does that make any sense? It does. It does. Yeah, it I is just so should, should point out we've got a number of Everton listeners. I know on a Friday, so um, I just want to you know say that this isn't me. I I, I completely I'm not with you on this. <laughs> no, but in a way, I'm trying to compartmentalise it myself because I don't really have anything against them. So, <laughs> so I did come to the conclusion that I'm such a bitter. Fan you, from well, no, I 20 mean, years of failure that I like to see another big club fail. You, you couldn't be. I know what you're saying about win win on, on at the weekend in terms of maybe like football, the better word, bans for what you know, kind of a bit of humour, but you can't be happy with United winning in any sense. No, 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 no. So it's one of those games where it's absolutely fascinating. And yeah, maybe I'm just upset because. When I went to Goodison, there was a pillow in the way. <laughs> no, that's fair. That is fair. Now, yeah. now I want them to go down, yes. have seven sub- successive relegations. That's how football fans think, can't they? Yeah, did Hold I? a minor grudge for 30 years, again, okay, about nothing whatsoever. I, I I don't, because the problem is Arsenal, were, I watched Arsenal on Monday, they were awful, hmm. but they were in great form before. And you can see United somehow getting into this top four yeah, yeah, without yeah. playing well in virtually a yeah. single game. And we don't... It will put them back so much if they finish outside the Champions League positions. And that's that's the bigger want. Yeah, If I want anything from these two teams, it's not Everton to go down, it's United to finish in a Conference League position or Europa League because there's no way the top players will want to go there. Uh, they should want to anyway, but you, you know that, yeah, but finishing the Champions League, you just know that the players that will suddenly mm. will go there, even if it makes no sense. Harry Kane. So, 
I, yes, I, I want Everton to win, but I think it's going to be an absolutely fascinating game, What whatever happens, to be honest. And what a way to start the weekend as well. There's so much at stake. Yeah. Are you looking forward to it as well, Ollie? I am, yeah. I mean, I'd, uh, first, I, I, I completely agree with just about everything I've said. I would be happy <laughs> for Everton to go down unless it's because Burnley stay up. Because, like, come on, lads, we, we, we've got to keep mm-hmm. everything in perspective here. And the most important thing is, <laughs> obviously, the Burnley get relegated. Uh, yeah, but we so, always get six points off them, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, the, the other, like, hugely important thing is that United don't make the top four. So, I mean, I guess um, they would both suffer quite badly if they only got a point. They both really need three points out of this. Um, maybe that would kind of do everything all around if, if they got a draw. But it really is an absolute win-win situation for the City fan to, to look in. Um, there's ways of enjoying it, whatever happens. Um, and to answer your initial question, can I imagine Everton getting getting a result and turning over United here? Yes, I can. Mm. Not uh, Partly because it's just Premier League and Premier League at this time of year particularly. Um, suddenly things happen, teams just Produce performances out of nowhere. Uh, this is something that we should, you know, we should expect the unexpected at this time of year in the Premier League. Uh, so that would, you know, can be filed under that. And um, but also we have to remember that United are really, really bad. Um, yeah. if, if there's a team that's capable of going to Goodison Park this year, playing against this Everton team with Delhi Alley and all, yeah. and still not managing to win, then it's Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, so you know that, that that is a factor. You know, United's problems are not remotely solved, and they really don't deserve to be getting any points out of any games. So, so it really is, a, as I said, it's a win-win, and, and I am looking forward to the game. Um, and I don't really mind too much what the end result is because I will find ways. No, that's, that's not true. I want Everton to win. I can't lie. Um, I, I, I don't particularly mind whether or not Everton stay up either way, um, but I do definitely want United to lose and, and miss out on that top, top four because that does matter to us. To answer them, I think it'd be seismic if they miss out on, on top four. Um, and, and let's hope that's the case. Um, we were that going late to... in the day as well. It's Spurs. Maybe Spurs are the main Spurs thing. Villa, yeah, yeah. Spurs yeah. are away to Villa, so some interesting games just to distract us and take our mind off what's ever, yeah. whatever may be happening the next day. I forget. So. We were going to discuss um, after Kareem Benzema's hat trick this week, kind of over, um, overrated, underrated players in world football the last decade. I think time is against us, but I'm really intrigued as to uh, did either of you come up with any names? Anyone kind yeah. of yeah? Uh, so we won't go into detail, but just kind of quickly, what what were those players? Well, unfortunately, I misread your thing and didn't go for the first ten day uh, last ten years. Oh yeah, fair enough. Fair. So <laughs> I've, I've I've scrubbed out quite a few like Davos Suka or. Oh, it was a Carvalho at uh, top, uh, Chelsea. Sorry, I was just going through some old seasons. That's a great shout, Carvalho. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. He was uh, magnificent. Did David Villa, when did he retire? Last decade, wasn't it? Well, yeah, certainly. But two years ago, so yeah. yeah so, David-, David Villa I picked out. And Tim Cahill at Everton because, obviously, he'd always be beat City single-handedly. Yeah. He was a great player, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of them are DMs, really. So I went City's way. I wonder what Fernandinho's truly considered, how great Fernandinho's considered outside the City bubble yeah. sphere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bet he doesn't get anywhere near the recognition he should do. He already and feels forgotten, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, not forgotten, but I, I don't... People would say, ooh, tactical fouls, he's dark arts. It just, I yeah. think a lot of football fans literally have no idea yeah. just how much he... At his peak, he controlled matches, all the work he put in. And the same like Gareth Barry before him. Yeah, players like that, even Carrick at United. Just the the players who don't get the, the spotlight yeah. in the way. It's, a C- it's the curse of the CDM, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the central defensive midfielder just don't get the credit they deserve in, in any team. Really. What about you? So, yeah, someone like kind of... Barry like that. And, and just yeah. going back, uh, just a couple more. I loved uh, Santi Cazola at Arsenal. Yeah who I think if he'd had fewer injuries would be held up close to David Silva levels. And as a keeper, just recently, that I don't understand why he keeps... Kaylor Navas seems to play play well every single time I watched him play. Yeah, yeah, he's he's my my only pick, actually, Kaylor Navas, because... Oh, um, sorry. So that's my list. I'm I'm glad it shows him. It shows, yeah. Um, Oh, Pedro as well, 
at Barcelona. So, <laughs> so not many, just <laughs> just uh, the fifteen. Any, any, any kind of underrated yeah, greats? I went. I went a uh, different way in this, and I, I chose pre- precisely one because, uh, yeah. in my head, for going back about the last fifteen years or so, I've had a really strong association in my head between Karim Benzema and uh, Iguain, the um, yes. Argentinian striker. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of. I think the first time I saw both of them, I mixed them up with the other one. They look quite similar. They play quite similarly. Um, I had. I went to a truly terrible game of football once between Italy and Argentina at the Etihad, which a few. I remember years that. Ago. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there was a friendly they, they staged, presumably for uh, you know financial commitments, whatever, like, <laughs> financial obligations they had to, they had to meet. I think um, it was called, but I went along the, what's it, it called uh, the Challenge Cup or something? I saw Russia and Argentina at Old Trafford, I think. Yeah, well, so, I mean, the, yeah. Only, the only reason I was there was because my I, I, <laughs> I was listening to uh, one of Ian Cheeseman's radio shows on BBC Manchester, I think, and, uh, and he did a phone-in to win a... Uh, win the opportunity for a child between 8 and 12 to be a mascot at Italy via Argentina. Right. Um, and I had a, I had an 11-year-old at that time, he's now 13. Um, so I phoned up and, and I, I got I got ourselves tickets and um, my lad Oscar like, marched out holding the hand of uh, what's called the, the the one who just left Tottenham, Los Elso. Oh right, uh, yeah, yeah. He was he was holding Lacelso's hand, um, and I was really pleased when Lacelso signed for Spurs. I think it was it was only a few months after that because immediately after that game, um, uh, my lad would tell people that he was a mascot, and they were like, "Oh, who did you get? Did you get Messi? No. Did you get Aguero? No. Did you get Otamendi? No. Who did you get? Like Giovanni Lacelso? Who? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, that that's all. While I was there, the one the the one impressive thing about that football match, which really was dire in every way, was watching Iguain close up because he's an absolute beast. And when he went thundering through the middle of the defence, you could kind of you could feel the whole ground shake with every footstep. Um, and I always thought he was an you know, absolutely devastating striker. And it was kind of weird how. Um, Benzema and Iguain's career, they're, they're exact same age. I, I Googled this earlier. They're, mm. they're both 34 years old. Um, and almost the exact point that Benzema's career, finally all the pieces seemed to fall in place, which largely coincided with Ronaldo leaving Real Madrid, I think. Um, that was the exact point that Iguain's uh, career appeared to be going like, in the opposite direction. And he's now playing in Miami or somewhere in the, in yes. the uh, yeah. MSL. Um so yeah, um, but but I I always liked Higuain, and I thought he was a, a very similar kind of player. And, and I just uh, when you asked that question, that was the first name that popped into my head. And I don't think he's ever. I mean, partly it's his own fault. I don't think his career ever quite reaped the rewards that his talent deserved. Um, but it's kind of a shame that Higuain's uh, career didn't have the uptick at the end that Benzema's has now clearly had. Well, good shout all that, and uh, I think shout outs to. to- Genuinely great players who just don't get the kudos they deserve. Um, can, can I just say how good were those two headers from Benzema? Oh, the first oh, one was God. astonishing. Uh, yeah. First one, amazing. Yeah. Um, thanks, guys. I really enjoyed that, and it's kind of calmed me down a little bit ahead of Sunday. Um, only a little, I have to be honest, but still, it's calmed me down. Uh, thanks, Howard. Yeah, absolute pleasure. pleasure. Thanks, Ali. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you get both of us at once. That'll we've, do. we've ended how we started. How perfect is that? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everyone. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to see if we can find one single positive article about the greatest football team of the modern age ahead of Sunday's big game. It might take us a while. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Hug your kids. Be nice on Twitter before it all goes right off. And forever up the five times Premier League champions.